Welcome to the ERB podcast, where we love to talk about books. At the ERB, we believe that life and faith is nurtured by the habit of reading. We've invited a diversity of writers, thinkers, and leaders to talk with us about the books they're reading, because reading matters, and so do great conversations. See, Christopher Smith is the founding editor of the Englewood Review of Books. Joel Wentz is our producer, and I'm your host, Jen Pollock-Michelle. Hi, I'm Chris Smith. I'm the editor of the Englewood Review of Books. Uh, we're here at CCDA, uh, the CCDA conference in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we're talking with some of the authors uh, here about their books. Uh, excited uh, to be here and to be doing that in conjunction with our friends at InterVarsity Press. Uh, so this afternoon, I have a conversation uh, with Mark Strong. I'll introduce him in a second, and also uh, my friend and colleague Joe Bowling uh, from Indianapolis. Uh, Mark is from Portland. Uh, so uh, excited to be talking to them about uh, churches and gentrifying neighborhoods uh, and what, uh, uh, what that looks like and how, how to navigate uh, some of those waters. Uh, so Mark Strong is a senior pastor of Life Change Church uh, in, in Portland, a diverse congregation uh, located in the heart of inner city Portland. Uh, he's author earlier of a book called Church for the Fatherless. Uh, he and his wife, Marla, have four children. Uh, his current book, uh, which those of you who are, who are here at CCDA got a copy of uh, in your registration bag, uh, is, is a very exciting book, uh, a book that I've read recently uh, and I'm excited about, uh, called Who Moved My Neighborhood? Question mark. Uh, Leading Congregations Through Gentrification and Economic Change. So, Mark, we're glad to have you here. It's great to be here. Uh, also with us is Joe Bowling. Uh, he's from Indianapolis as well. He's the executive director of Englewood Community Development Corporation on the Near East Side of Indianapolis. Uh, he's also a longtime member of the Englewood Christian Church, uh, which also I am a member of, uh, which uh, uh, launched ECDC, uh, Englewood Community Development Corporation, in 1996. He and his wife, Mary, have four children. Um, so excited to have Joe here. Joe's technically my boss, <laughs> but he's also a really good friend uh, and brother. Uh, so we're excited to have him here today, too. Welcome, Joe. Yeah, hi, Chris. Good to meet you, Mark. So I want to hear from both of you. Uh, it kind of struck me as I was reading your book, Mark, and obviously very familiar with our experience at Englewood, uh, but both of your stories uh, are about uh, churches uh, that have chosen to stay put in a neighborhood, and the neighborhood has changed dramatically around them <laughs> uh, as they have stayed put. Uh, so I want to hear a little bit from both of you. Uh, we'll start with you, Mark. Uh, but about uh, tell us about your congregation, about the neighborhood that you're in, and uh, kind of the story that's the backbone uh, to to your book. Okay. Yeah, so I've been, my, uh, my wife and I, we've pastored in north and northeast Portland for the last 34 years, 34 years. since uh, 1988. And when we started, uh, North and Northeast Portland was predominantly a African-American community. So in Portland, uh, in Oregon, uh, 2% of the population is African-American. 80% of that population lived in North and Northeast Portland. So that was kind of the, that was kind of the main place for African-Americans. So over the last several decades, there have been a lot of different shifts from uh, housing developments to some man-made natural disasters to development that has forced uh, many, many African-Americans out of the community. So while our church is not an all-black church, we're predominantly black, but we have whites, um, some Asians, Hispanics, so we're a, blended, we're a blended congregation. But the impact of what has happened in terms of the demographic shift of the African-American community 
has had a uh, grave consequences upon our church, and not just our church, but also churches throughout the North and North Portland area. Great. So, like, can you say a little bit more about some of those uh, changes that have come to the neighborhood? Yeah, so uh, one, one thing that happened, like back in 1949, go back a little bit, there was a community called Vanport. And so a lot of African Americans had migrated from the South to move to Portland because there were jobs in the shipyards. And so you had a community of about 18,000 people that lived in this area, which was actually like swamplands. And so there was always the threat of flooding. And so uh, what happened one day was the dam broke and the whole community was flooded out. So 18,000 people had to evacuate. They moved to another area. And as they, as they get established in that area, then there's another development. Uh, an I-5, the highway I-5 comes, displaces many, many more families. Then after that, there was a development uh, of a hospital, Emanuel Hospital, that moved out 200 more families. And so now, it, now the current thing is what they call the uh, interstate uh, re- renewal renovation, and that's dwindled the population down to about five percent. So from like thirty thousand African Americans down to about eleven thousand. Wow, that's quite a, quite a shift. Yes, quite a shift. Joe, can you talk a little bit about um, the Englewood neighborhood uh, and uh, uh, a little bit about the story of the church in the neighborhood? I'm glad to. Um, Englewood Christian Church is named after the Englewood neighborhood, and we're a 127-year-old uh, congregation. Uh, again, Englewood neighborhood is a downtown Indianapolis neighborhood. Um, and I, I often say that, that the Englewood neighborhood has been every kind of place that you can imagine. I mean, we've, we've experienced probably five dramatic changes already just in our 127-year history. Um, our church is along Rural Street, and um, our, our place was a rural place when the church building was first built. Um, so it was a rural place. It was then kind of a growing uh, suburban kind of bedroom community of downtown Indianapolis um, through the 1920s and 30s, uh, then became kind of a, a solid uh, kind of middle-class neighborhood and, and then became a working-class neighborhood as there started to be some disinvestment, etc. Um, and then uh, an under-resourced community, poor community um, over the last uh, 30 or 40 years. And now, as we'll talk about, seeing some real dramatic shifts once again as a place uh, that's experiencing some rapid price appreciation, certainly gentrification and some displacement, and really trying to kind of brace for that. So again, um, over 127 years from a rural place on rural street to now a church community um, on a proposed mass transit corridor and, uh, and, 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 and just a, a completely different place than when many of us at Inglewood Church um, moved back into this community about 25 years ago. So can say more about that here. Sure. Mark, can you talk a little bit about um, kind of your congregation obviously has, as we said, stayed, stayed put, but what, what has that journey been like? What are some of the things that you've done as a congregation um, uh, in this uh, situation? Uh, you as a leader of this congregation, um, uh, what, what has it been like uh, uh, to, uh, to, to guide a congregation uh, through the certainly anxieties of, of a neighborhood that's changing around them? Um, 
and certainly probably changes to the congregation as well uh, over those times. Can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. To say, not to say the least, it's been hard. <laughs> I'm sure that's it's, the understatement it's, of the year. It's been hard and it's been, it's been difficult, but in that hardness and difficulty, the grace of God has been present to help us to be able to move forward and, and to stay the course. So one of the things like in the book I talk about, um, just the whole process of trying to help a church navigate through the blow of gentrification. So when, when a, a church experiences that, it is, a, it is a blow that hits hard and just takes out the, uh, the community air, the sense of identity, and then also it impacts your, your, uh, your, your mission. And so the church has to go through a, a grieving process to be able to try to find some missional equilibrium and to find out and to discern what God's purpose is for that community because you you really do you go through the thing the issue like do I stay here or do I go or do or or, or uh, you know do we, we just pack up our bags and try to find another location and to be honest we thought about all that we thought about all that you know just case in point like our building when we bought our building uh, it was a lar- it was the largest building on the block. We paid three hundred and fifty-five thousand dollars to buy the building. That's how much it cost us back in nineteen ninety. Couldn't buy a one-bedroom house for that now. In you couldn't do that. You couldn't do that. And so now we 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 constantly get offers for our building, eleven million dollars and upwards. I mean, just you know, I could I could go on my phone right now and find messages that you know that say, hey, we'll you know we'll pay you eleven million, we'll pay you twelve million for your building. You know, uh, right now. So there's all those different kind of temptations, but but God has had to stay there, and the church has had to work through. You know, just there's anger, there's there's deep anger that's there. You know, when you see someone in, in new people in the community that don't value your history and they don't value you, and you've been there for a number of years, perhaps even decades, and they look at you as though you're a stranger and and almost like, what are you doing here? You don't belong here in this neighborhood. It's, it's, it's hard to navigate, you know, and then you try to explain the mandate of the gospel, you know, where to go in the world, make disciples every, to, to all people. How do you make disciples and how do you spread the gospel when you're ticked at the people who live next door to you? It's a challenge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah no doubt. No doubt. Joe, can you talk a little bit about uh, Englewood's experience, um, particularly maybe with engaging, engaging the neighborhood, uh, yeah. quality of life plan and so forth? Yeah, certainly. And and similar to your situation, Mark, I mean, there were two big uh, moments in Inglewood's history where there was a real decision, you know, should we move away from the, the neighborhood? It wasn't because of gentrification. It was it was it was the encroaching kind of poverty that was sort of moving in. And and most of the congregations that that really um, had stable congregations at the time opted for greener pastures and moved further out. And many of those that moved 40, 50 years ago, have moved once or twice again since then. Um, so staying, I, I, I certainly don't want to trivialize um, some of our experience at Inglewood where folks made the really important decision to stay, even though they didn't really understand what staying would mean or what it would entail. Um, I mentioned, you know, big changes that happened in our congregation about 25 years ago where we found ourselves with a a congregational membership that that overwhelmingly, more than 90%, lived outside uh, the Inglewood neighborhood and drove back in for worship. 
and and that certainly was not sustainable. That certainly was not uh, good for the witness to. Um, who, who we believe Jesus is for our time and place. Um, but the theology was changing and our imaginations were being shaped by a lot of the folks who were present at CCDA about, about what church actually is and what we might be. Um, and so we really started to kind of um, to, to form a new community of living together and moving back into that neighborhood. Still, you know, part of a traditional Englewood Christian church, uh, but trying to find new ways to live together day in and day out. Um, and and that, that was exciting for many of us. Part of that um, journey for those of us who were new to the neighborhood was really to listen and to kind of engage and to be in in community um, in quiet ways, frankly, just as neighbors. Um, and so, for the first uh, for the first ten or so years um, of the the first decade of, of the two thousands, a lot of being at Inglewood was just trying to to learn to be neighbors and to to learn what it was to to be an Inglewood neighbor. Um, but from there, we we. Um, we have started a community development corporation uh, that Chris and I both work for, uh, a child care uh, ministry and center that has grown, certainly. And then now, uh, overwhelmingly, more of our membership lives within walking distance of our church building. But again, the shift is, is certainly a, a big one now as 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 it is increasingly becoming a place where folks want to live and fewer and fewer can afford. And that's a sea change from when we moved in 25 years ago. <laughs> it was a place where absolutely no one who had housing choices wanted to live, but was very affordable. Mark, I'm curious, uh, as your congregation was going through uh, this experience, uh, where did you look? Uh, was there... Uh, what uh, were there people or uh, uh, relationships that were particularly helpful to you to to uh, provide wisdom uh, and uh, uh, discernment uh, as you're kind of going through uh, going through the season of trying to to make sense of <laughs> what it meant to be the be the church uh, in this kind of situation? Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, you know. I really didn't know what was going on to be, to be, to be truthful because the change was slow, so slow and so gradual. I did not realize what was happening. So I would have conversations with friends, other pastors, and we'd kind of talk about, you know, things seem a little bit different here in the neighborhood. Um, uh, maybe, you know, a couple families had moved away or that kind of thing, but it wasn't like it was like a stark reality. Um, at first, and really, there wasn't a lot of, you know, guidance in terms of how do you how how do you deal with this? How do you uh, cope with it? Because there wasn't a lot of stuff that was that I knew about, about that was written. And when I would go to pastors' conferences, we weren't talking about things like this. And so, trying to find information uh, was kind of scarce and kind of slim. So, in some ways. Just, you know, through prayer, talking with other friends, pastors in different areas, they were kind of going through. We just kind of helped each other try to kind of figure out what's going on and how we could still kind of stay on our feet and keep our keep our keep the Lord's church, you know, moving forward and and healthy and sustainable. You know, so it was uh, I wish I could say that, you know, um, I had a straight path to kind of figure it out and. 
And um, you know, I I learned this from here, from hearing this, but it wasn't. It was it was kind of a sure. uh, learn as you go experience, and it's still a learn as you go experience. Yeah, I think that. Uh, I mean, from from our experience at Englewood, and Joe can maybe uh, say more about this, but but yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, uh, each place is kind of its own unique <laughs> sort of situation, and and maybe you can learn some things from others, but uh, but really, uh, in some senses, you you have to be uh, just kind of attentive to to what the spirit is up to, and uh, and uh, again, we've, we've said several times the, the importance of, of staying put, <laughs> uh, and uh, and once you've kind of made that decision and really believe that that's. Uh, that 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 decision is of the spirit <laughs> right. uh then uh then there also requires some trust in this that the spirit is going to yeah. continue to lead us <laughs> uh as we as we move forward um so uh maybe uh one question uh, that i might that maybe each of you could answer but uh two two con- two congregations or leaders in congregations um that are in the place where they're starting to realize that uh, our neighborhood is changing or our neighborhood has changed <laughs> uh, kind of uh, around us. Um, but what uh, what would be kind of one piece of advice? Um, uh, certainly we would uh, encourage them to, to read your book, Mark. Um, but uh, but we'll just kind of as a uh, entree into, into your book, what's kind of one piece of advice for where do people start? Uh, what's do they need to pay attention to to be thinking about uh, first uh, once they've kind of had this realization that uh, this place isn't what it used to be? I think one 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 piece that's very important um, that I talk in the book about is um, who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? And so we all know the story of the Good Samaritan, how uh, the, this lawyer comes to Jesus to test him and he asks him, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus gives him a parable. He tells him a story. He said, you know, there's a, there was a, uh, a man who was on the road, on the Jericho Road, and some thieves came. They robbed him. They beat him. They left him half dead. A Levite walked by. A priest walked by. They did nothing. And then a Samaritan came by. The Samaritan put the man on his, on his donkey, took him to the innkeeper, bandaged his wounds, left, told the innkeeper, uh, if when I come back, if I owe you anything else, I'll pay you. And so Jesus, after he tells a story, he poses the question to the man and he says, uh, which one of these people were that person's neighbor? And Jesus said it was a Samaritan, the one who, who helped him. And then Jesus says to the man, you go and do likewise. So the question was not, Jesus rephrased the question. The question was not, who's my neighbor? But the question really is, what kind of neighbor are you? And so I think helping the church make the shift from who's my neighbor to what kind of neighbor are we? What kind of neighbor are we to the new people that have moved into our community? What kind of neighbors are we uh, to the people that God has brought around us in our sphere? And how can we be the type of neighbor that Jesus was talking about when he told this man to go do likewise. So I think that's, I think that's a big shift. And there's a lot of emotional things that you have to work through to get to that. There's a lot of healing that you have to work through personally and collectively and as a community to be able to get through that. But I think ultimately that's the place we want to get where we can say we want to be the type of neighbor that Jesus would desire us to be. Excellent. Joe, how about you? What would you 
Say it to congregations. I, I think that was well said by Mark. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to say, I, I really think when big changes come to a neighborhood, um, powerful market forces, etc., um, there's only so much you can control. and and But you can shape and control some things. But to do that, you have to have powerful partnerships with your neighbors, with neighborhood-based organizations that work in common cause sort of with you. And I think for churches that find themselves in that situation, they really have to take a good hard look at themselves, as you said, to say, what kind of neighbor are we? Um, Are we out of step with this neighborhood? And, And what can we do humbly to correct that and and to bring ourselves in step and that doesn't happen overnight but the quicker that you can face that and start to recognize that a real change is needed and um, the sooner you might form some partnerships with others secular community centers community development corporations housing organizations etc that have already maybe started down the path of of helping of being part of some solutions to create affordable housing to institute or advocate for new housing policies etc but finding those groups and and finding out how to work um with them i i think is is it has to be part of it, um, and the sooner that churches um, really start to uh, to own up to how present they are or how absent they've been, um, sooner rather than later would be helpful. Great. That's wonderful. Wonderful uh, sort of advice. Thank you both. Uh, so we're, we're just about done here, uh, but one question that on the podcast here that we like to ask authors, uh, uh, that we every author that we have on, uh, just because we we're about books and we're about reading, uh, is what are you reading now? Uh, and it doesn't have to be related to anything that we've talked about. Uh, uh, it could be something that you're reading for fun or something that you're reading for, uh, spiritual education or for work or understand your neighborhood, whatever. Uh, what, what are you reading and what, uh, are you really, uh, excited about if, if you're reading a number of things? Um, so, uh, we'll start with you, Mark. I must begin. Oh, I forgot the the title of the book, but it's <laughs> <laughs> but but the but the book talk is talking about your second half of life. Like oh the, yeah, like the Richard uh, Rohr, I yeah, believe. Yeah. yeah, and so I've I've just been kind of reading that. Cause I'm kind of getting to an age where I'm you know I'm not you know in my forties anymore, and and so I'm just trying to you know just trying to figure out how to to do this second half as best as possible. So I've started reading that. I've been enjoying that. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I think I've heard recently that Richard Rohr is kind of ending, approaching the, the end of the second half of his life and has kind of stepped back from kind of public, public ministries. But, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's a, been an important book for, for a lot of folks. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of not far behind you in, in that. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, excellent. Thank you. Joe, how about you? What have you been Chris, this is not a cool answer. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. I've That's developed some bad habits over the last couple of years of not reading my Bible nearly as much as I used to or should. Um, and I've recently just kind of rediscovered how much I enjoy it, how much I need it. Um, so over the, over the next year, um, my New Year's resolution will be to kind of put it um, to, to really start into that again and to, to, to feast on Scripture in ways that I used to. So excited for that. Me too. <laughs> Great. Yeah, Mark says me too. So, um, 
Great. Well, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Joe. I really appreciated both of you making the time uh, to talk with us uh, and appreciate uh, to the, those of you who are listening to the podcast, appreciate you taking the time to listen to this uh, podcast from CCDA. Uh, and um, we hope that you uh, have found some uh, meaningful uh, words in this conversation. Uh, and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation and you would like to learn more, please visit our website, englewoodreview.org, where you will find plenty of book reviews, reading lists, and author interviews. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast through your favorite podcast provider and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. Here's to energizing reading today.